Welcome. We are so glad you have joined us today. Are you ready for another Bayside Christian Church podcast? Let's get straight into it. Good morning, everyone. Wonderful to be with you today. <clears throat> As Ross said, we are, we are on the Gold Coast. We're on the north. Well, we are on the northern end of the Gold Coast, but we're also now a little further down down south on the Gold Coast and we're um, busy building the the Church of God as you guys are here in the Wide Bay area. But, you know, wherever you go, wherever you go, Jesus is the same and he is the same God wherever you go. And, uh, you know, my husband and I, we we have been actually April 9 will be our 24 years since we pioneered. And honestly, we, we still pay ourselves because we consider ourselves to be the most unlikely people to be doing what we're doing. We, we consider ourselves, how did, we, how did we get here? How did we get to do what we are doing? How did, how did God even find us? Why did he even bother with us? And uh, if I could play you a video recording... Uh, well, there were no videos, so there was no video recording. But, you know, if I could play you a recording of what our lives used to be, you would think they would never become preachers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. They would never become church leaders. They would never even become believers, let alone anything else. And yet God did a remarkable work of transformation in our lives, you know, from a husband who was an alcoholic, from a two dysfunctional families that we came from, from broken backgrounds, from chaos and mess, just about at every every level, every layer, everything. And people look at you day, today and they think that your life is so perfect. It's just so perfect. What does she know about trouble or strife or tension or chaos or dysfunction? Uh, give me give me all day and I'll tell you just a measure of the things that we've, we've gone through in our lives. But it just shows as we've sung and worshipped this morning, the goodness and the mercy of God. For surely goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life. And that's really the testimony of our lives. The goodness of God, found, uh, he found us, he saved us, he's rebuilt our lives, he's set us on a path of purpose of acknowledging him as Lord and Saviour. That was the great where the church was, let alone how to find a church. And so Jesus turned up in our lounge room and we bowed the knee on a timber floor and prayed some kind of prayer that heaven must have listened to. And uh, and the next day we find ourselves in the house of God in a church. We didn't even know what denomination it was. Had no idea. And honestly, our hearts were so hungry to walk with God, we wouldn't have cared what denomination it was. And so we found ourselves in a little church somewhere. And that was the beginning of our journey. And here's what we've learned. If you say yes to God, then your journey begins. And it's not just at salvation. It's not just at water baptism. It's not just at a discipleship class. It is a lifetime of saying yes to the call of God. And every time you say yes, it opens up the possibilities of God over your life. And then you get kind of move along life if you think I'm old, well, that's all right. <laughs> so you get older like I am and then you look back and you think, how did we get here? Well, it's been a continuing journey of just saying yes, just saying yes. And our journey began. And so, you know, we're, my husband will be preaching down at four services today. 
and uh, friends down where we are as you are here. And it's my great delight and privilege to be able to be back with you again. Let me share some thoughts of the word with you. I will maybe try and keep it a little shorter today if I can. But I, I love to speak about faith. I'm so grateful that when I got born again, God just sort of arrested my attention about faith. And I've continued to live the last 40 years of just developing what it is to be a, to be a woman of faith. But one of, the, one of the family traits that runs through my family line is this, is this trait of procrastination. <laughs> and I don't know whether that's a problem to you, but it's certainly been through a thread throughout my family, sort of, I'll, I'll do it another time, I'll put it off to another day, I'll start that next year, I'll think about it tomorrow, that kind of thing. And so procrastination has been a, uh, a very prevalent problem throughout my family. The word procrastination, Latin verb, and it means to defer until tomorrow. And so when we got born again, I realized that God doesn't put things off. He talks to you about now, what he wants to do in your life today, that today is the day of salvation, that today is the day to start your walk and journey with him. So God began to deal with this thing about procrastination in our lives. And there was a disciple of Jesus that came to Jesus and this disciple wasn't quite ready to follow the Lord. And he had some family issues going on and he wanted to take care of all of those. And, and Jesus makes this statement back at this man that wanted to take care of family first. And the man said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. But Jesus answers him and says, follow me. Follow me and let the dead bury their own dead. That's in Matthew chapter 8, verse 21. And when I read it, I thought, what was Jesus really saying? Did he not care about, about the situation that was happening in this man's family? But when I looked at it, the real context of this, it was not about depriving this man of what he had to take care of within the family, but what Jesus was talking about, the calling and the spiritual responsibilities I place within you, irrespective of what's going on in your life, don't neglect those. Don't neglect those. Don't put those off until another time, another year, another moment. Don't put off what God has uh, put that opportunity on you right now. So when it comes to matters of faith... When it comes to this journey that we all find ourselves on, I've learned that faith is very much... And uh, when I broke my arm two years ago, I lost all the strength and all of the mobility in this left arm. And the doctor said to me, you won't get back full use of this left arm. And he said, it's going to be permanently bent for life. And I realized that the more I moved it, the more I exercised it, the more I strengthened it, that not only did it go from right angles to starting to open up, but it's getting stronger and stronger and stronger. And so this left arm that they said I'd never get used of properly again and never straighten it, here it is before you right now, it is straight because faith is like a muscle that has to be strengthened and has to be used. 
And so this walk that we find ourselves on is very much like that. And I want to share some things with you out of the parable of the talents this morning. Don't be frightened by this scripture. I'll give some explanation to it as we go through. I won't read all of the verses because it's quite lengthy, but we're going to touch on Matthew 25 verses 14 through to 30. It speaks about the parable of the talents and it says, Again, I will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his property to them. To one he gave five talents of money, to another two talents, and to another one talent, each according to his own ability. Then he went on his journey. The one who received the five talents went at once and put his money to work and gained five more. So also the one with the two talents, he gained two more. Um, But the man who received the one talent, he went off, he digs a hole in the ground and he hides his master's money. In verse 19 it says, But after a long time the master returned and he settled accounts with them and the man who had received the talents brought not just the five but another five as well and the one who had entrusted the five Jesus said to the man who I've entrusted five he says look I've already gained five more the master replied well done good and faithful servant you have been faithful with a few things and now I will put you in charge of many things come and share in your master's happiness likewise the two talent man The same response again. Not only was he given two, but two more had been added to what he was previously given. And again, the master was pleased. But by the time you get down to verse 25, the whole uh, atmosphere has changed somewhat because we get to the one talent man and what he has done with what was put into his hands. And the response of this one talent guy says, but I was a talent in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. And so this one talent guy, he gives back to the master what was originally given to him. He hadn't wasted it. He hadn't lost it. But the truth is is here, he'd done absolutely nothing with it. He'd done nothing with it. When I read this scripture, I thought, what have I done with what God has given to me? Have I increased beyond what God had originally given to me? What have I done? Have I gained interest on what the Lord started my journey with? Have I gained interest? I don't know whether I'm a five, a two or a one, but the truth of the story is here. I don't want to just keep safe what Jesus has given to me. I want to do something with what he's given to me. We know what darkness is like, but we now know what the kingdom of God is like. We know what we've been spared from and now we know what we've been rescued from and we've been given a life and an opportunity to follow the call of God. So it's not just about accepting Jesus and enjoying all the benefits of salvation. It's about giving him praise for the salvation. And now, God, I want my life to be built in your purposes and I want to make a difference. Let me grow beyond what I first started with. So when you pray that prayer, Jesus, come into my heart. I believe that you are the Lord of my life. I believe that you died on the cross for me. 
I believe that you've saved me and you've, you've given me a, a, a clean, uh, clean slate to serve you. That all of the sins of my past no longer are attached and belong to my life. And I accept the blood of Jesus and the cleansing blood of Jesus. I am set free by the blood of Jesus today. And when you pray that prayer, something begins in your life. Something has been given to you beyond salvation. Far more has been given to you, being written in the Lamb's book of life. Far more has been given to you that you've been saved from hell and now you're on your way to eternity with Jesus Christ. Far more has been given to us than the benefits of salvation. Now we live with a godly purpose on this earth to grow beyond that salvation prayer and to move with the purposes of God. This guy was pleased, and one talent guy, he was pleased with himself because he hadn't lost it, he hadn't wasted. But to me, the biggest loss was the loss of opportunity. I wonder how many opportunities came into his life over the, that time that the master was gone. What did he let slip through his fingers? And the four thoughts that I extract from this very parable, among others, but we don't have time, is number one, just as we've read about these people here, you and I are the ones now on this journey. We started a journey in Christ. We are now on this journey. The second thing is this, that you and I have been entrusted with God's property. We have been given his property. Number three, we've been given everything we need to increase, to grow, to enlarge, to expand and to go forward into our future. And number four, the King is coming back. Jesus is returning. The King is coming back. So when it comes to people of faith, faith is not a procrastinator. Faith is something that we act upon because we have all been given a measure of faith. I was given a watch for my birthday. It's this watch here. And uh, it's got all these funny little things on it. <laughs> but what it does every two hours, it brings this one word up on, the, up on the screen. It'll probably do it any minute because I'm not moving fast enough. But this one word comes on the screen and then it's got this, I call it my mini taser. And it's got this zzz moment and you get this zzz vibration through your arm. And it brings up this one word and this one word is move. <laughs> After two hours, move. So if I've been sitting there, if you took too long... Um, for me to get up here, it'd be zzz, you know, just this move thing would be going on. Word move, because this word means, to me, this word means is a move is this. It's time to move from where you've been sitting, that you've been sitting in that position for far too long. It's time to stand, it's time to rise, it's time to get up and run with the purposes of God. It's time to move from one season into the next season. It's time to move and embrace the opportunities that are before us right now. It's time to roll up our mat of the past and begin to walk out the plans of God. It's time to occupy our future. It's time to rise and possess the promises of God. It's time to move. And even if we say, I don't fear with God, <laughs> it's time to move with God. If you remember nothing else after this morning, just think, just take that home with you right now. It's time to move. <laughs> I think I want to sit. 
I have my little moment and I know it's time to stand. From I've been sitting too long. We've been given opportunity on our way on the Gold Coast as you've been given opportunity. But we discover that we are the ones on the journey. What does your journey look like? I want to talk to you for another minute or two about how faith is a survivor. Faith is a survivor. In Oklahoma City, uh, Oklahoma City is known for many things, but it's known for this 80-year-old American elm tree. It's a tourist attraction, and people will drive for long distances to see this tree. This tree is very protective. It's looked after by its stewards. But the reason that this tree is so important is because it's a tree that has endured. It survived the Oklahoma bombings. Many people were killed on that day. The city was in mess. The city was in mourning. The city was in absolute chaos. And there were parts of the city that were buried in rubble along with this tree. The tree was buried in so much rubble that nobody began to show the first signs of life, that new buds were starting to rise, that sprouts of life were beginning to be evidenced. And it showed the people of Oklahoma, it showed that this tree is resilient. And because it survived the bombings, they renamed the tree the Survivor Tree. As I read about this tree, it reminded me about how resilient God's people really are. It reminded me about how incredible that we are and brilliant, irrespective of the rubble and the stuff that's happened in your life, is because you and I carry the faith of God within us, that God's Spirit is within you, in you. You've gone through this, you've had trouble with that, you've gone through heartache at every degree and every level, and yet in spite of that, faith is a survivor. The Spirit of God within you survives, even though it's been buried under the rubble of life for a period of time, just like this survive a tree. Just when you thought you couldn't rise again, just when you thought that you've gone through one too many things, all of a sudden there's a new sign of life. There's a new sense of hope. There's a new sense of purpose that is arising within me. And faith is a survivor. Faith is a survivor. We've got a family in our church never buy a house. They were never, and they took a hold of the word of God. Ephesians 3.20, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is within us. They took that word literally to attach to the written promises of God. And um, as of January this year, they purchased their very first home. And faith had survived the rejections of the bank, the economic situation they were in, and everything else they'd gone through because faith survives. I want you to be encouraged today that you are a survivor, not because you are just strong and diligent and all those things, but the faith of God is within every man and every woman in this place. The second thing is this, faith has focus. It has a focus. I've been reading a lot about David lately. I like David. I mean, seriously, what a guy. Lions and bears and keeping sheep together. There's a job for you keeping sheep together. And then the highlight of all highlights, this nine-foot giant of a man called Goliath. And David just deals with Goliath with a single slingshot. I mean, that just falls in the impressive category right there, right there. 
But even if there'd been no Goliath and all he'd done was conquered bears and lions, he's already in the, that's the column right there. And yet this same man who dealt with Goliath, dealt with bears, dealt with lions, kept sheep together, the same man who did all of these heroic things was the same man who ended up in a cave called Adullam, who, who was a jailer ends up isolated, disconnected, depressed, fearful, and a life that is now in hiding. I mean, what happened to the giant slayer? What happened to the bear slayer? What happened to the, to the lion slayer? What happened to the strong man of God? What happened to the man who was running his race magnificently and now he's in a cave called Adullam? And as I've read about David, I realise that Probably the same thing that happened to David is exactly the same thing that can happen to you and I when we lose our God focus. David for a time lost his focus and when you lose your focus you end up in caves. You end up in work caves, you end up in bedroom caves, you end up in social media caves, you end up in the food cave. That is so much fun right there. I mean, seriously, it's just so much fun until you gain 20 kilos and realise, now I've got to get rid of this. But we go to caves when we lose our focus. We go to caves when we get disappointed. We go to caves when the pieces just did not come together. And what happens when those moments come in our lives and take encouragement from the story of David, David turns and there's something about a man and a woman who says, I know what the cave looks like, but there's something about a man or a woman who turns their head and turns their their whole being towards a living God and say, I'm putting my back on the cave days. I'm putting my back on a dullum and I'm turning my focus towards Jesus Christ. The real message of salvation and repentance is a life that has turned. That's what it is. That's what happened to my husband and I. That's why we were saved. That's why we were born again. That's why we got out of the stuff that we were in. It's because somewhere along the journey, as men and women were praying for our salvation, for our eyes to be opened, God is faithful to send laborers into your harvest field. Somewhere along the way, God sent a laborer, a friend, a workmate, a neighbor, a family, raised up that laborer because God you so much. And he sent that laborer into your harvest field called your life. And he said, I'm sending my laborer to come and tell you that you, and I have a purpose and I have a plan for your life. I love you so much that I've tugged upon the heart of that laborer. I've laid your name upon their heart. They are coming before a throne of grace. They are talking to me about you day and night. They are saying, God, show my friend about the purposes of God and what you've got for their life. And that's what happened to us. We had a a friendship, a couple in our lives that had only been saved six months before us. And they wanted to get married because they'd been living together. And they went along to a pastor in North Queensland called Pastor Claude Fingleton. And Pastor Claude said, I'll marry you, but only on one condition. And on that condition is that you come and do a marriage pre-marriage course with me. 
And uh, so they said, all right, we'll do that. Well, during the pre-marriage course, they hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. They hear about a living God who is a real God and they give their lives to Jesus and they start going to church. Well, I tell you what, there is nothing more passionate and more determined and more whatever about about two people that go from darkness to light and all of a sudden they've found this living God and they are on fire for God. And when they got on fire for God, they went after, after us and would not let us go. You've got to come church. You've got to meet Jesus as Lord. We don't need anything. Thank you. We're happy for you, but we don't need any of that. Well, they said, well, it doesn't matter what you think that you want and all those things, but we're going to keep talking to Jesus about you. We said, well, pray, pray as much as you want, but it won't make a difference over here. And so anyway, they kept praying day and night for nine months, length of a pregnancy. I don't know the significance that has, but I'm sure it's got some. Nine months, after nine months, all of a sudden one Saturday I think, you know what, I think I'm going to do this. And so I knelt down on a timber floor at home. And unbeknownst to them, what had been going on, even though we said, no, thank you very much, no, thank you very much, unbeknownst to them, day and night I'd been thinking about the Lord. I couldn't shake it. I'd wake up in the middle of the night, I'd think about Jesus. I'd wake up in the middle of the night and conversations they'd had with us were reoccurring, 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 until finally I thought, what if they're telling me is true? And if it's true look like and those kinds of things were bothering me bothering me bothering me and so finally after nine months I gave my life to Jesus woke up Sunday morning went along to a church next week my husband does exactly the same he gives his life to Jesus but he's not going to give up his lifestyle for anyone including this so-called God in heaven and he told God that. He said, God, I'm not giving up my alcoholic ways for you or for me on this planet. And as I've told the girls many times and probably told you, who knows that God is super smart. He is so smart. And he says, I'll take. And then three weeks after giving his delivered of alcoholism right in the middle of a football game. That's just so cool. <laughs> just when you thought Jesus only showed up at Bayside Church on a Sunday. He shows up in toilets. He shows up in the middle of football games. He shows up in lounge rooms. He shows up in all kinds of places. But I tell you what, when the men and women of faith start to rise in prayer and say, I am knocking on heaven's door, that son, that daughter, that friend, that work person, that family member, God, I bring them before the throne of grace right now. God, let the scales fall from their eyes. Let their heart be awakened to the purposes of God. The faith in me connects with the faith of God and I call salvation over my family in Jesus' name. Faith has a focus and David turns from the cave. He turns from the cave experience and we see again courage rise, faith is present and probably some of David's greatest writings of all time have come from those experiences in the cave. But here's what I want to say to you as we close in. One God-focused woman, irrespective of what your cave looks like, 
Jerusalem is like today. It takes one God-focused person to arise even in the cave because a God-focused person doesn't care whether they're in a cave or outside of a cave because my focus is upon the God of heaven and a God-focused person can change the atmosphere inside a cave or the atmosphere outside of a cave. A God-focused person can change the atmosphere within a family, within a city or within a nation. Our community on the coast is set to change because God-focused people are there. This city of Harvey Bay and the Wide Bay region is set to change because you and I are the ones on a journey here. We have started the journey. You and I carry the purposes and the destiny of God. Men and women of God, whether you've been born again for five minutes or 50 years, we are on this journey with our God. We have been given everything we need to live with increase and expansion. We have been given God's property to steward. We've been entrusted with the property of God. And fourthly, the King is returning. The King is coming back. And the fifth thing is this, that God-focused people are world changers. People are family changers. God-focused people are community changers. And I want the faith of God to arise within us right now. You are carrying something more precious than what you realize. You are carrying the purposes of God. You are carrying something that is treasures in jars of clay. You are carrying such a message upon your life. And some of you have been in caves for too long. And some of you today need to hear not just my words, but the voice of the Spirit and go, it's time to move. It's time to move from one season into the next. Get out of the cave. It's time to courage to find its feet again. It's time right now for hope to arise. It's time to move right now. Thank you for joining us. Bayside Christian Church Community aims to transform our city and beyond with the life and power of Jesus Christ. If you want to know more or just keep in touch, check us out at www.baysidechristianchurch.com.au or on our social media pages at Bayside Christian Church.